new CBS Sunday. You collect rewards, right? This is how I make my living. When something is lost, everyone's looking for something. He finds it. You strong swimmer? So-so. So-so. So-so's okay. Justin Hartley stars. I survive. You make quick, smart decisions. You never let panic take the wheel. Sounds cool. It is cool, actually. Very cool. Tracker. New Sunday on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Welcome to the PowerCat Podcast, GoPowerCat.com's Kansas State Athletics Show. Make sure you're subscribing to our show at Apple, Spotify, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. Now, from the GPC studios, here's your host, GoPowerCat publisher, Tim Fitzgerald. Welcome to the PowerCat Questions Podcast, sponsored by Free Wholesale Liquor. I am Tim Fitzgerald, your host. Is there a good adjective there? Zach Carlson, Cole Carmody, Ryan Gilbert. Uh, Jolly. Jolly host. I feel like he called me fat. <laughs> if you want a fat liquor store, get into the fridge. It is filled to the brim with all the stuff you need for your event. Not just a party. If you just want to have a wine tasting, they got that. A bourbon tasting, they got that. A sloppy night with Brother Vodka, they got that. <laughs> get into the fridge. It's uh, it's weird beer season. Right? I mean, the summer, they bring out sours, and this is a grapefruit, blackberry, honey, sunshine rattler. I have no idea what that means. Why? Why is all this stuff in there? Why? Just put beer in that. Put beer in the can. Do you like flavored beer, Zach? Depends. Okay. That was Depends if it's a seltzer. Oh, I don't think that's a beer at all. But make sure you stop into the fridge. Please support the fridge because they support us and they make this all possible. That makes so much possible for me. Cole, uh, you're not coaching anything at the moment. This is weird. You're here. For a little bit, yeah. And you're off coaching football later? I am, yep. And then baseball after that? Yep. Football Thursday, baseball Friday, Saturday, and long few weeks. Gills, are you going to be coaching people how to drink delicious drinks soon? When you sure? When you when are you up at that place that sponsors the other podcast? Tomorrow, tomorrow, actually which is today. actually today when this podcast exactly. Is yeah. So if you hate his opinions on this podcast, <laughs> storm into said place mm-hmm. and demand an explanation and demand a free drink, cause a scene, <laughs> and Call. get banned for life. Hey, and by the way, he goes by the name Travis there. So yell for Travis. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. Let's get going with your questions from Wildbass Station. I'm not chatty today. This could be a 10-minute podcast. Caffeine didn't set in right. I got water down the wrong tube. It's cold in the studio. I've gone all Conan O'Brien. It's like 60 degrees in here. <laughs> Me and Cole are not complaining. Is that a, yeah. a thing? Yeah. Oh, yeah. You you turn your air conditioning, you turn your temperature in your studio down because it perks everyone up. Does it? Cause I mean, I know the studios are cold, but I didn't really know that's the reason. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. Huh. Tries to keep huh. everyone alert. And plus, nipples. 
So anyhow, let's move on to the questions from Wabash Station. Who's got them? I don't even know. We didn't even discuss it. Brian Gills Gilbert has them. Pointed to me. Okay. okay. Take it away. It's because he doesn't know how to say this one. Okay. Cat in Colo. You, you did your best. Could be Colombia. Could be Colorado, Zach. Fair enough. We never know. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. If Adrian Martinez has a good year, both running and passing, and K-State also has a good year, greater than nine wins, what past K-State quarterback will he remind most fans of? Fans of most. L. Roberson, Jonathan Beasley, Skyler, or? Colin. I mean, I think there's some comparisons there. I found it interesting, his his discussion that we put up uh, from SiriusXM uh, about how he talked about being a throwing quarterback first. I don't see him that way. But then again, I didn't watch him in depth at Nebraska. I think he's a running quarterback that can throw, not a throwing quarterback that can run. But I think what he's doing is trying to define himself by NFL standards. You don't want to be known as a running quarterback. You don't want to embrace that. Well, yeah, I'm a runner, but I can also throw. You probably want to sit down with scouts and say, hey, no, I'm a thrower. I've just been asked to run. But I think he's closer to Colin Klein than those other guys. Now, I don't think he's at Michael Bishop levels where he was just really good at both. I mean, Mike could throw the ball 80 yards in the air. It was just ridiculous what he could do. Um, I think he's probably got a stronger arm than Colin. But I think where Colin's going to benefit him is making him understand what throws he should and should not attempt, at least at this point of his career, particularly if he wants to redefine himself for the NFL. Look, let's not take those high chance throws. Let's let's do these. Let's take the what the defense gives us and then worry about the NFL later. You can show that you can make that throw in a combine or camp or whatever. Let's not do it on the field where you might turn the ball over and damage yourself and damage the team. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna say Jake Waters because I think we remember Jake Waters a lot for the way he threw the football. But I have a stats pulled up here, and in 2013 he rushed for 312 yards, and that was when he split time with Daniel Sams. Am I correct You're on that? You're correct. Um, in 2014 he rushed the ball for 484 yards. If Adrian Martinez runs for 500 yards, would that be I mean, I, I think that's an acceptable number. I feel like if he rushes the ball for 500 yards on the season. Barrett, with what Deuce Vaughn's going to do. Yeah. It's going to be a really good run game. And and so I think that, yeah, I, I do think that the plan, or, or the plan originally will be to have Adrian Martinez throw more than run. Um, I don't know if that's necessarily the best idea. But, I mean, Jake Waters threw the football a lot. But – we don't really think of him as a runner, but he, he was. And so I'm going to say Adrian Martinez, simply for the fact I think Adrian Martinez will get 60, 70 yards rushing a game. And if he does that, that's, that's, that's pretty dang good. I think that's a close comparison, but I think you're going to see Adrian run it more, be, be more known for running it than, than passing it. But I think that's a close comparison saying, hey, Jake Waters threw the ball well, but don't forget, he was also a good runner when he would when he did run it. Um, I think with Adrian, I think that I feel like he, yes, he's been injury prone, but I think that he'll learn to be a little bit safer. Maybe not take risky runs, you know, go down earlier. Maybe not get as many yards as he could have. But yeah, I think that Cole's comparison is good there. So you look at Jake Water stats. 
2,469 passing yards. This is in this is in his first year in 2013. He threw for almost 2,500 yards, and he ran for say 300. He ran for 312 yards. If you had those numbers from Adrian Martinez combined with 18 touchdowns and nine interceptions, and you just strictly had those numbers, I think Adrian will run the ball a little bit more than 300 yards. But if you had those passing numbers and say he runs for 500 yards. Is K-State in position to be where they want to be at the end of the year? Because I think you have to take that from him every single day. And I don't think that that's that's a I don't think that having the expectation of Jake Waters is too much because if K-State wants to be successful, he's ha- he has to be that good. Just just plain and simple. And it works, too, because he's a transfer and Jake Waters was a Juco transfer. So I think that, you know, these limited time guys, I think, are going to be more comparable to Adrian Martinez than say a Colin Klein or an L Roberson. I think that people will not necessarily remember the type of play. They'll remember the time period he did it in as well. That's where I was going to go, Zach. I mean, we can debate all day long about what Martinez will look like on the field, but just with his legacy, what he is remembered as, I mean, he'll be here for one season, right? So I don't see how you can compare him with Colin Klein and Skylar Thompson in that aspect. I mean, when you think about it, how many times over the last 20 years or whatever has K-State had a one-year quarterback that wasn't an injury, a forced, you know, a Joe Hubner into action type of, about to say of thing? <laughs> Grant Gregory? Yeah, Grant Gregory. Well, it was yeah. two years, wasn't it? Was oh, that Grant, one year? One year, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. And if they can, you know, poor Grant. He had no body left when he was here. He had no shoulder left. He had a bad AC joint still through the ball. If they can get mileage out of Adrian Martinez like they did Grant Gregory, that was masterful coaching, honestly. They they just nursed that kid through the year. It was incredible to watch. Grant Gregory is the one K-State quarterback from the last 20 years that I literally do not remember watching play. Like, I, I couldn't name him. Like, I don't remember it. It's gone from my memory somehow. I, I honestly don't know how. Hmm. He's a very forgettable quarterback. He threw for 1,096 yards with four touchdowns and four interceptions. Yeah. And, and every four time touchdowns he, every is time he threw the ball, everyone would go, oh, that looked painful. <laughs> I mean, he just was in pain. Well, he came in like halfway through, didn't he? He played 11 games. Yeah, he, he was here. Okay. Yeah. But he came kind of late. I think he came after spring football, if I recall. Okay. But he had to kind of catch up. But he was a really smart coach's kid, all that, but his body was shot. I think he's a fitness freak now, I think. I think I follow him somewhere on social media. I'm not sure. Zach, what did Gregory ever do to you? Oh, man. Made me forget about him. Yeah, there we go. What year was that? 2009. That was Snyder's first year back. Yep. Yeah. I, I just remember Carson Kaufman. Ugh. Yeah, that's who I would. That's who I would tell you played that season. I would much rather forget about <laughs> Kaufman than Gregory. From King Jim seventy seven, let's say the Cats have a stellar year, nine and three or higher. Which of the assistants do you think other schools will try to poach? Oh, it's got to be Colin. I mean, you've got a guy in his young thirties. If if they have a really effective offense that is putting up highlights and stringing together. You know, good plays. I don't mean just effective plays. I mean kind of creative plays. I think people will throw money at Colin. I don't think he'd leave just to go be an OC somewhere else. I don't. Um, we'll see. Um, I, I'd hope a good season would lead someone uh, to be a head coach. Really? It would lead to uh, 
someone being a head coach, I mean, the next life of Fitz is already recorded with Van Malone. I mean, I, I hope Van gets a shot. I think Connor Riley's got head coach on him, Klanerman, Klein. I just think they've got a lot of head coaches and and waiting on this staff that that if K State starts getting good, some you know smaller P six not P six what did I just say? It's not basketball. I know. I just I just crossed over sports. Some smaller group of six schools will will come after. Is it still six? How many conferences do we have? The now? group of five. Is that a group of five? I think it's the group of five, mm-hmm. right? Oh, for God's mm-hmm. sakes! They just keep changing. Uh, I think some of those schools will come after. You know those type of coaches for good reason, but will they leave any more? Being a coordinator at a at a power five school pays as well as a head coach at many conferences around the country. So it, it, it'd be hard to poach some of those guys, but they'll be coming if Kleiman gets this thing rolling based on his pedigree and what he's done in K State, and they'll be coming after these guys. My answer is going to be Buddy Wyatt. Really? Yes, as a, as a coordinator. He sounds like he, he sounds like a blues singer. I just think the fact of the – you look at his pedigree. I mean, Wyatt Hubert, NFL draft pick. Felix Sanyu, DK Uzama, if he goes to the NFL. That's a good point. I mean, then you got a guy like Khalid Duke who could have another breakout year. I know he's a linebacker, but he's played a lot of defensive end. He's going to be working there a lot. Then you throw in a kid like Nate Matlack who could have another breakout year. This is all at the defensive end position. Mm -hmm. And they've they've done a pretty good job of developing. So, I mean, I don't know. I'm just – Pulling a name that nobody has said, so I, I, yeah, that's out there. I think, yeah. and don't get me wrong, he's earned earned the conversation and the points that you bring up. And he's never been a coordinator. I'm looking at his experience; never been a coordinator. I don't I know just, if that's something he'd be interested in doing, but I just think Buddy Wyatt just he strikes me as the guy that enjoys what he's doing right now, and that he's not really looking, like he's not actively searching, and he's not going to be actively sought out either, especially for a coordinator job. I think. I don't think any of these coaches right now, Casey could have a great year. I don't think anybody goes elsewhere to become a coordinator. I don't think Joe Klanerman goes anywhere else to become a coordinator. And I think Colin Klein's the most likely to leave and be a coordinator somewhere else. I don't think he does it after one year. The one that I think that would leave, I think Connor Riley with the offensive line that he's had and what he's going to have, I think that he could very well kind of pull a Scotty Hazleton, go to a, Michigan State's better than K-State, but it's a seemingly, when you look at the landscape of college football, I think K-State fans can look at Michigan State and say, hey, that's a pretty lateral move as far as the type of job it is. wasn't financially, but yeah. Right. Right. I think that from a financial standpoint, I think Connor Riley could go somewhere else, double his salary, and still coach the offensive line. Well, I can see, let's say... uh well, I don't know. Missouri has a coaching change because I think Drinks, you know, he's kind of getting on the hot seat, but also I think he's not happy there. And, and a new coach comes in with SEC money and offers Connor Riley $1.5 million to be the offensive line coach, and he gets to stay in his recruiting area. I, I think that's going to be tough to turn down. But I also feel like this coaching staff um, is connected to Kleiman, is connected to the, the group goal here, at least the ones that would be in play. And so unless it's a significant move upwards, you know, just because you get paid more doesn't mean you're in a better position um, to aspire to whatever, if you want to be a head coach or whatever. I mean, if you just want to be a career coordinator, yeah, you go someplace and get paid and 
take the money. But if you want to be a head coach, I think guys like Klanderman um, and Klein and, and, and Malone realize at this point that this might be the trampoline. If, if we get rolling at Kansas State in the new Big 12, it'll be nationally noteworthy. And just like we saw what happened with Bill Snyder, and all of a sudden everyone turns to the assistant coaches and say, we want a piece of the magic. I think they understand that. I agree. Thank you. There we go. You have a special skill for, for talking and petting a dog at the same time. My God, she's needy today. She is very needy today. She's been hitting on Zach for attention. She's been working on me. Now she finally laid down. Let's quit talking about her. From Pickles, I have the biggest, I have the highest hopes for football in a decade. Not necessarily because I think this is a great team, but I don't see any substantial hurdles to a really strong rec- record. Will K-State be double-digit underdogs in any game this season? It's a really good point. It, it, it's all valid. And not only do I think the team's good, I think the schedule is um, both manageable and will offer notable wins. For example, do I think Missouri's an, uh, an obvious win? No, I think Missouri's good enough to come in here and win. But I also think K-State will win and have – you know, an SEC pelt up on its wall by, by season's end. You go to Oklahoma and immediately play a new staff. I'm in. I think the, the OU game's the one I'm picking though. If there's oh, a yeah. game if oh, there's yeah. a game that's gonna be double digits, yeah. you know, minus ten or higher, I think that, or for OU obviously. Um <laughs> <laughs> I'd love K State. What, what if it is it? What, 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 yeah, I mean what if K State goes in there and rolls them? Which I think is within the realm of believability. I just think it being such an early game, especially for gamblers, and OU being OU, it's, you know, yes, there's a new staff, but the name on the sheet stays the same. And I think that, you know. And OU plays Nebraska, right? Yes. Yeah. The so week assuming before. they win that, that looks like, like a good win. Right. OU's, if OU's 3-0. and UTEP, Kansas look- State, Nebraska. Yeah. UTEP might be the toughest of those. <laughs> that would be, hey, there you go. A certain former Kansas State coach may be able to pull an upset, huh? Yeah. Probably make a lot of money there. <laughs> yes, he would. Yes, I, he would. I agree with you on the Oklahoma aspect, but I, I really don't. Uh, to answer the question, though, to answer your question, Pickles, I don't think K-State will be a double-digit underdog in any of these games because, as history tells us, Oklahoma in the beginning part of the season against Kansas State is never usually a very good idea for gamblers. And so um, – Yeah, but how many people know that? Gamblers. Yeah. The people that are really going to push the lines. I mean, it, it feels like K-State always plays Oklahoma early in the season. And for K-State, that's usually a good thing. Um, I think that's a really good thing for them this year. And I do think that, that Oklahoma and Nebraska, it's in Nebraska. We saw Nebraska played with them last year. Um but they don't have Adrian Martinez, though. Boom. Mm. No, there you go. I don't know. I just think that I, I can't see Oklahoma. And if they are, it's like 10 and a half. It's not going to be like 13 like it has been. In I don't think it'll be Gilles, you follow lines a lot more than I do. Getting to the double-digit threshold in a conference game, is that just seems like a lot. I mean, yeah, if it's Kansas, they're used to it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't mean that as a shot. It's just reality. Yeah. Um, but Kansas State – in conference, I don't remember a whole lot of double-digit lines. You'd have to go back, though, the pandemic season when K-State rolled into Norman and beat Oklahoma. It was a 20-some point line. Well, it was so, huge. Yeah. 
It was like one of the biggest in history of, you know, sports betting where a team won. So I think it'll be probably two touchdowns. That's just my gut feel. Okay. Just based on, you know, I, what was it last year when it was in Manhattan? I couldn't tell you. It was 10. I think it was double it was digits. 10, I think it was 10 and a half. Yeah. And that was with the questions about Skylar Thompson, a quarterback, too. But we so. still got questions with Martinez. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Last question of the first half from Cat in a Trap. What is changing in regards to football recruiting? Something feels different than it used to. Much more momentum and not so much apathy. Was it the changes on the staff or is Kleiman finally establishing relationships? I think that's part of it. I think, uh, honestly, I think there's a real sense of urgency here. I think they know that they have an incredible opportunity with this in-state class. You're not going to get them all, but if you get six or seven of these top 12 guys, for the first time, Kansas is offering enough foundation to a university football program. to. That's the problem with Kansas. We just don't produce enough um, high-level recruits to offer you a foundation in recruiting. That's what makes it so challenging at Kansas State. And not only that, you've got another in-state institution attempting to bring in players, and they don't always succeed, but they do kind of take a player here or there that maybe you want. You know, not having a true foundation, recruiting foundation to your program is the biggest hurdle Kansas State consistently has to overcome. And I'm not saying there's not players in Kansas. I'm talking about the mass of frontline players you might get from Texas or Mississippi or Florida or even Oklahoma. Mm -hmm. So it is a challenge, but this year's different. There are a lot of really good players. Uh, Maybe there's not the national superstar. Avery Johnson would be the, you know, the closest to that being in the elite 11 quarterback, which is incredible. I hope he's committed to K-State when he goes to that. That'll be even more fuel to this momentum. I, I think they've really had their eyes on this prize, and they've been eyeing it, and they know it's time. And I'll be honest, I, I sense that they picked up some tricks of the trade from basketball. It looks like, you know, when Avery arrived, it looked like the basketball coaches had decorated yeah. his room. I don't know if it's something that they've done in the past. I just haven't noticed. But I, I feel like there's just some real a sense of momentum, not just with football, but around the entire institution right now. And I think President Linton has a big role in that. I feel like they're being more picky. And, again, I don't know if that's something that is just because they feel like they have a really good chance, you know, with with this in-state group. But I feel like they're being more picky. They have not offered as many kids as they did after those camps. You know, we've seen them offer three or four kids after these elite camps that they have. I think they've sent, sent out one offer through three or four the three or four camps that they've had all summer and they were related to a player yeah exactly there's been one offer and it was will howard's brother Mm -hmm. so and and it's not like there aren't kids that are coming in because there's another kid who um ended up committing to colorado state k-state didn't offer who was in for a camp another kid ended up committing to washington state who K-State didn't offer, but he was in for camp. And so it's one of those things to where it's almost like, okay, we feel really good about the targets that are on our board. And, I mean, they're they're kind of being picky. It kind of reminds me of basketball. They feel like, all right, these kids are good, but they're not 
where we want them to be. So we're going to stick with our gut and trust our board because they must feel really good. And I don't know if that is a coaching relationship thing or if that's just uh, we feel really good about where we're at. Gills, beating LSU, Texas Bowl, last bowl game before the national championship, standalone game, only game on TV, and LSU's on the helmet. Granted, it's a shadow of what the LSU team had been. Do you think that provided recruiting momentum, but also confidence in the recruiting process? Yeah, I don't think it can hurt in any sort of way, that's for sure. But I was going to say that uh, nothing's changed. And I know Wally's kind of touched on this a little bit, that things are finally coming together, and this is kind of what they always wanted. They didn't change their strategies. They stuck to their you know, stuck to their initial ways, and now it's finally starting to pay off. I mean, we got to realize this is a relatively new staff. They've been here for, what, three, three and a half years now? So the roots have been placed, and obviously it's starting to pay off. I think in the beginning you know, stages, you can compare it to what's been going on with Coach Tang. You know, things haven't worked out in the start, but now things are coming together. They stayed the course. They stayed patient, and now – coming together but yeah with lsu i mean that can that can only pay dividends for for k-state and real quick i looked it up 12 and a half points k-state was underdogs last year and they had no business covering they had a backdoor cover with with malik Knowles at the end with that touchdown on the kick return but if they're 12 and a half point underdogs in manhattan i think it, it can only get worse next season in norman i agree with that but back to the the point of this question Sorry. i think <laughs> i think right now it feels different because you have finally an in-state kid that you have a good shot at but is also extremely highly ranked you know by by 24 7 everywhere else you know he is a highly ranked recruit in the state of kansas and it finally feels like k-state has an actual chance to get him and i think i've i've talked about this on the pat in the past but you know the fact that you have a quarterback in the state and you you know he could be the guy for three or four years i think that that really and and just you know after the visit you know wally put up a story the other day you know you know kind of recapping what you know his thoughts were on it but um you know it feels like it went well and it feels like k-state has an actual chance i think that's why um it feels like things are changing it's a, it's a it's a four-star recruit that you know k-state really hasn't had a lot of four stars it's a lot of three stars two stars and unranked guys so you know maybe this changes you know for the state but hopefully it changes for recruiting going forward that hey you know we got this one let's go get another one and keep building up that way i'm not i'm not gonna i'm just gonna throw this out there because i know we've talked a lot about jake rubley in the past um but that was a significant win for the staff at the time, like oh, as far yeah. as recruiting momentum goes, mm-hmm. right? And regardless if Jake Rubley ever becomes anything or not, we still have to say that that was probably a win for the recruiting staff as far as, you know, you beat out other schools for a kid that you wanted, right? So um, that doesn't go unnoticed. But I do want to say, um, you know, we, we talk about recruiting rankings and recruiting rankings obviously um, are different throughout different publications. But you look at Jake Rubley, um, 24-7 composite had him as the number 201 player in the country with a 92 score and avery johnson is the number 214 player with a 91 score um i think that's going to change i i would think that avery stock would only go up with the elite 11 now granted 24 7 is that sports, composite yeah 24 okay. 7 sports has him as number 179 so there's a pretty big difference there yeah but like um 
just point that out there like you know there, for people who have all these high expectations if something like this were to happen you gotta understand like these are still kids and anything can happen i think that's important to get into the rankings a little bit more we are okay will howard was an 88 by 24 7 and jake rubley was an 87 yeah 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 so that's a good point yeah interesting Nicole, you mentioned you, we've talked about Rubley so much. That's why, because people have so much, such a high expectation for him, you know, given that four-star status that he had. Obviously, things haven't panned out, but that's where the, I think the frustration stems from for a lot of these fans, that they had just such a high expectation and things haven't worked out so far. Well, if they get the kids they want in this class, those expectations are going to be even higher. Amen. Beautiful ending, Cole. Beautiful. Well done. Should be a, a pastor. Amen. That's it for the first half of the Southern pastors are always <laughs> better. That's it for the first half of the Powercat Questions podcast sponsored by Frids Wholesale Liquor. I sense basketball just after this break. No, there's no basketball. Unbelievable. I'm leaving right now. Zach, uh, what did basketball ever do to you? Wow. Nothing right now. <laughs> I guess we'll be back to talk about Kansas State golf. I'm not sure. GoPowerCat.com's PowerCat Podcast continues after this short break. CBS Wednesday. We have so many cool, diverse people from different backgrounds, different beliefs, different upbringings, and it just keeps growing. I'm a citizen of the United States. I'm a hustler. I'm a big Taylor Swift fan. I'm the queen of the tribe. I am playing whatever role I got to play. I'm going to play this game for speed. I ain't going down like no punk. A new Survivor, Wednesday on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus. It's the NFL offseason, but on Pick 6, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network, the football season never stops. Host Will Brinson, John Breach, and Tyler Sullivan are joined by analysts like Brady Quinn, Leslie Ducible, Katie Mox, and R.J. White to keep you in the loop on everything happening around the league. Whether it's free agents signing with new teams, the all-important NFL draft, or schedule release day, Pick 6 has you covered. As the face of the league changes with every team move and player pickup this spring, Pick 6 is a must-listen. Download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and anywhere podcasts are found. Welcome back to the Power Cat Podcast. Now, let's return to the GPC Studios. Welcome back to the Power Cat Questions Podcast, sponsored by Fridge Wholesale Liquor. It's our weekly endeavor into K-State discussion. We don't get caught up in a lot of the nonsense out there. This is a group of guys. We'd accept women. It's not a guy fraternity. We're, we're open to that joining the festivities. But in this case, it's four guys talking K-State sports. That's what we that's what we do every week. You ask the questions, our VIP subscribers at Wabash Station, we answer here for all to hear. Those are homonyms, two different hears. Take it away, Cole? Yes. Oh. Yes. I got little, demoted. We had a little swapping action in the break. Here we go. <laughs> the first question of the second half of the PowerCat Questions podcast comes from Recyclops. Which team has a higher ceiling? This year's football team or K-State football in three to four years with potentially Avery Johnson, Dylan Edwards, John Randall Jr., and Mr. Manning on the roster? You know what I like about Kleiman is he's not building for a moment. He, he's, he really is trying to build the program. 
He understands what it takes to be part of a building process and sustaining it. But I don't feel like if they have a breakthrough year, let's say they win 10 games in the regular season this year, they're on the national stage or playing for a Big 12 title. Maybe next year they dip down a little bit because you know, they might be missing a lot of pieces. But I also feel like they're, they're building something that will be sustainable in the long run. It's hard to do nowadays with the transfer portal. It's hard to do. You, you lose your depth because your depth gets impatient and decides, well, I don't want to wait to play. I'm going to go somewhere else. And then, you know, what they end up doing typically is waiting to play there. So I, I think this is going to be over the long run, uh, a continued build. So to answer the question, I'll take down the road only because I think this year is part of the process, not a peak that will be just notable in, in hindsight years down the road. This is a tough question. It is. I think this is easy. Three to four years down the line is a much higher ceiling it's than easy. what we have right yeah. now. I mean, I mean outside of Deuce Vaughn, what help does Martinez have on offense that can legitimately give you a, a chance to flirt with the Big 12 title? I mean, if you've heard me talk the last however many podcasts about, you know, what is the win total for this year? What are your ex- expectations? I mean, if my ceiling of eight or nine wins is the ceiling – that you know that's that's a pretty low ceiling for yeah. for a team and for saying you know all this untapped potential for 3 or 4 years from now if if i were to pick this year that would be a, a disservice to that those group of that group of recruits that K-State could very well land so i think if you get those guys even if you don't get all of those guys i still would always say 3 to 4 years is going to have a higher ceiling than what you may be experiencing now especially seeing how you know K-State's you know been in with Avery Johnson been in with a lot of these good recruits that's only going to continue and i think that you know 3 or 4 years is is really the window where we'll start seeing K-State being really good. Hmm. I don't know. I, I just feel like it's hard to answer this question right now because as much as we think that K-State has a great chance to land Avery Johnson, Dylan Edwards, John Randall Jr., and Josh Manning on offense, there's no guarantees. And even if they come to K-State, like Fitz just said, there's so many unpredictable factors as far as the transfer portal, as far as will they pay not. We talked about, you know, Jake Rubley earlier in, in, in the podcast. And I, I, I'm not ready to say that three to four years has a higher potential because I don't know who's going to be on the roster. I don't, we talked about coaches, you know, like there's so many unpredictable things now in an ideal world, does Chris Kleiman in Kansas state want the team in three to four years to have a higher ceiling? Yes. I think the answer to that question is yes, because that means you're building up your program. Um, but I feel like the team this year has a very low floor and a very high ceiling. Does that make sense? And we yeah. talk about that a lot in, in you know, in, in scouting recruiting, and, yeah. and recruiting. Like he's got a, he he is a high floor, low ceiling. I think Casey has a has a high floor and a high ceiling um, because, I mean, they're not going to be. We don't think that they're going to be bad, um, but they have a chance to be pretty good. So. I don't know. I, I'm not answering. I'm going to take a in a, an incomplete. I'm not going to answer that. I'm going to plead the fifth on this question. It's the complete hypothetical. It is this a complete is, hypothetical. That's such a bad answer. Pick one. 
I'll say this year's team. Wow. To go against the Green. You're crazy. I just okay. don't so, you just don't know. I mean, there's so many unpredictable yeah. factors. Johnson might not work out. Edwards might not end up at K State. Whatever, whatever, whatever. What if uh Adrian Martinez just blows his ACL? I mean, Malik Knowles, this is supposed to be his year to to prove himself. I what if that doesn't happen and he consistently plays the way he has the last two, three years where it just hasn't been there? And we're talking about ceilings. We know generally what K-State's ceiling is this year. You don't know what those guys. The ceiling is the roof right now mm-hmm. for those guys. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah, I'm with you, Zach. This is an easy, easy, easy answer. The easiest answer we've ever had. Well, this. <laughs> Thank you, Mr. President. Fitz, anything else? No, I'm good. He agrees with. Everyone. I agree with everything said, even the stuff that I don't agree with. So, okay. This even sec- Cole. Yeah, even yeah. Cole. This second question kind of relates to the first question because, I mean, we're talking hypotheticals here. So from Go State, Kate, do K-State fans get a little get a little too attached to uncommitted in-state recruits? No, I think it's just natural. I, I just think people. Well, even the coverage that we provide, we provide the most with local guys because they're most available they know you so Um, you get familiar with those guys as a fan no yeah i i think you're wasting your time if you're getting attached to guys that you know k-state really didn't have a chance with i mean there's randall if you commit somewhere else right there's there's some people out there who um do coverage just to do coverage and we try to focus on tangible recruits i mean that's common in our industry is hype up the fan base well i don't really have a shot at this guy but this guy's a hot button recruit let's push it we, we try not to do that we try to be very grounded and realistic uh, i think there's all the reasons in the world to be invested in this group of high school recruits in kansas uh, and you know i i understand people i thought people handled the odding commitment very well i mean they were like yeah okay it's a catholic kid notre dame yeah 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 now Avery, if Avery says Washington, there's going to be a meltdown, mm-hmm. <laughs> and and I'll be well aware of it because I'll be part of it because I I'm I too am invested and this is a really this is one of the more fun recruiting stories mm-hmm. that we've had to follow at, at Go Powercat in many years because it not only is a high profile kid but it's a local kid who seems like a really likable kid with his head on his shoulders that's really good and um. Uh, yeah, I mean, and I think Ryan Wallace is doing a great job of kind of covering it step by step and staying away from the hype and the push and just here's the information. And you know, he he did up his crystal ball on Avery, so his confidence is is growing that he will end up in a K State purple. You gotta you can't just say purple. No umbrellas is what you're telling me. I don't understand the umbrellas because it rains in Washington. I've never I I've been around college sports my whole life. I've never heard of the umbrellas at Washington, not once until this. Huh. Did you know about I had the umbrellas? No idea. What is it? What? Yeah, yeah. Did it's, you? You know what I'm, I'm still behind. About. Yeah, it's it's like a symbol for their like I don't know. Emaw? Yeah, yeah. rock it's chalk. Like ball. Yeah, an umbrella. I've never heard of that in my life. I've, yeah, <laughs> purple umbrellas. I think it has to do with like purple rain and that kind of stuff. But mm. interesting. Uh, it's the Pacific Northwest. So. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna answer this question because I have a feeling I know what Ghost State Kate's talking about. I think he's talking. He's referencing Dylan Edwards, and. I think that there's a lot of people out there with the way that Dylan has gone about his recruitment as far as taking every step, enjoying every every step of the process. Um, I think there's people out there and it, and it rubs them the wrong way. And so if, if that's what you're talking about, um, 
I would, I would, I wouldn't say that fans get too attached. I would say that um, people jump to conclusions a lot of the times, and I think it's important to understand that when you go through this process, um, as as a recruit, I feel like it's your job to enjoy it. Like I, I feel like if you're one of those people who gets mad at a kid for enjoying the recruiting process, to me, like that's just not. I, I don't want to say it's unacceptable, but why like why are you getting mad at a kid for exploring all of his options right there's people out there that have this notion that k-state's a backup option for dylan edwards when all along if you've been following the coverage you know that like that's not the case at all right um so i i, I don't understand the the hatred right because um i don't the, know if it's hatred i, I would know frustration I, frustration that's a better word and, and i think these two kids offer an interesting um picture of how k-staters react i don't think k-staters mind kids looking at other schools it's i i gotta admit i get this way too when when a kid seemingly falls in love every school he stops at and puts out these incredible photos and it looks like oh he's going to be the choice and in reality the the kid has no interest of going there he just kind of went there to go and i i it gets exhausting and i i think the way Dylan is handling the process, and maybe it's his pops, Leon, I don't know, is a little more agitating to the fan base than what Avery's doing, which is just going out and looking at programs. Maybe I'd do my photo shoot, but I'm not like, you know, I love it here. You know, every every stop. He's, he's just saying he's very grounded in how he's approaching this. It's transparent, yeah, which we very, appreciate. Very good. And I think a lot of that is because most kids – aren't like Avery. No, you're right. Most recruits aren't like Avery. Most of them do. They post everything, and that's just how it is. I mean, that's how kids are now. And so to see Avery be like that, it almost serves as an unfair comparison to the rest of the recruits that K-State is courting because, I mean, there's not many of them that are like him. I mean, if I had been a recruit, um, I would be posting all my photos. You know, here's my visit to Sterling. (laughs) Here's my visit to Kansas Wesleyan. (laughs) Gonna stay home. Hey, there's nothing ha- wrong. Hashtag with that. staying home. Here's, here's here's my visit to Bethany, which used to be you know the Oklahoma of the KCAC, and now it's the Nebraska of the KCAC. What about DCU? What's DCU? The Crib University. Is that staying home? Yeah. <laughs> That's probably where I committed. I don't. I don't think that you know if, if there's guys like Dylan Edwards or whoever that are. You know, giving K State a legitimate chance, I think it's fine to be attached to them and be invested in their commitment and be disappointed when they don't choose K State. It's another thing if you're attached to a guy like Turner Corcoran or someone that was a very highly rated kid who happened to be playing in Kansas. And guess mm-hmm. what? He has offers from everyone, kind of like Jaron Canick. I mean, yeah. y- yes, K State had a chance there, but at the same time, he had offers from everyone. You know, it's once you become an elite recruit, it doesn't matter that you're from Kansas. Well, another layer, excuse me, another layer of the frustration for fans, I think it's obvious, is they accept Joe Odden going to Notre Dame because he's a Catholic kid, grew up a Notre Dame fan. We get it. Dylan Edwards is a legacy. His father played football here, and they don't sense that same kind of loyalty to the brand that others show to their ties. And I get that frustration. So I, I I think he'll end up at K-State. I do think Dylan will end up at K-State. I think the Oklahoma thing has been a lie. 
not intentional lie. It, it was just Brent Venables loves Leon Edwards, knows his kid's a great player and a great kid, and is going to offer him. And the rest of the coaches are like, Coach, we can get an equivalent running back that's four inches and 30 pounds bigger. What are we doing? We, we don't need we don't need this. This isn't about you're not building a family reunion here. Let's let's go. But I also think there's a sense at Oklahoma. How many times are we going to get burned by K-State beating us with players that we skipped on because sure. the measurements, mm-hmm. not the heart, the measurements didn't meet what we wanted. So I think there's I think Brent Venables is sensible enough with that, but he's also been exposed being at Oklahoma Clemson. Yeah, you can compete for a national title with the players we can get. And that doesn't include a five foot seven, whatever he is running back. I think it'll end up at K State. I think it'll be part of a very memorable recruiting class. But in this day and age, what does it mean? One year down the road, do half of them not pick up and leave because they saw something sparkly in the transfer portal? We'll see. If you're a fan and you're upset with the way Edwards is going about his recruitment, just look at Antoine Davis. Yeah. I mean, Edwards, does he exaggerate? Sure, but he's not being dishonest with with anything like that. So it could always be worse. Yeah, I, I'm convinced Antoine was dishonest with the entire process. Oh, yeah, he clowned everybody. Not that I'm bitter about it. I'm just like, that's this is what we've created now. Mm-hmm. This is the system we've created uh, with the NIL that – he needed to go out and put on a whole show to enhance his NIL value. So keeping on that same track, uh, next question comes from us. We're proposing a question. Oh, we are. Yeah, Ooh. we're proposing well, a question. Uh, talk about basketball. Desi Sills, K-State <laughs> basketball. What do we think? Gills, what do you think? I think this is probably a hot take. This is the best transfer portal edition K-State's gotten. He's proven himself that he can score. Obviously, that went away when he kind of he was dealt a bad hand at Arkansas, and you know he got injured. Some guys came in behind him, and things were just never the same after that. But this is what the transfer portal is all about. You go down to Arkansas State. I don't think he played amazing there, but I think he proved himself that he's worthy of playing at a Power Five school once again. And here he is back at K State. You know, he kind of is going to remind fans of Mark Smith not only with his ability to kind of get to the rim and score, but also just the fact that a new change of scenery might be just what he needed to get back, you know, to be relevant at a power five school. Once again, uh, I don't think there was any sort of bad blood with Arkansas or Arkansas state for that matter, but this is what K state needed. I think they, he's not going to be the superstar score. K state still needs one of those guys. There's no doubt about that, but uh, this is probably my favorite addition in the portal. And I mean that, and I know Fitz you're high on, Nigasan? I think it's just Nigasan. Nigasan. Yeah. I don't think Nigasan. I think the end is indeed silent. Yeah. Yeah. And of course I'm Did the, you watch the video? The, <laughs> she it? told us how to say it. Right. In her Virginia accent. Yeah. <laughs> it was trying to cut through the Virginia accent was a challenge. Um but yeah, that adorable young lady who sent the video out about I think pretty sure she said David Gasson. Yep, yep, that's how. It's so, and I'm high on him. I, I think these last two are impact guys. I think they'll both be in the starting lineup. But there's been some discussion about who's going to start. I still think they need a more of a <clears throat> six foot five, six small forward type in this class. And they've they've got a lot of length, but almost in some ways too much. I worry about defending some of these smaller three four guard lineups be interesting because i i'm of the belief that 
Uh, I think Mark Smith's a great comparison, Ryan. I, I, I do. But I think, you know, Desi Sills is one of those guys who um, he, he's not going to be that superstar that we've talked about. But the way that K-State's constructing their roster, it's almost like they're counting on having, you know, four guys who can score 10 a game. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Instead of having your Nigel Pax and your Mark Smith who carry the load, you have guys that can disperse it up, right? You can have Marquise Noel who can score 10 points. You can have Desi Sills who can average 12 or 13. And then you got a guy like uh, maybe Jarrell Colbert takes a step up from down low, something that K-State hasn't had a presence in a while. So I feel like, yes, you're going to have guys that have to prove themselves, but getting an experienced guard like Desi Sills is nice because – if you are ever in one of those slumps to where you just can't find a way to put the ball in the in the basket, he's going to be a guy who can drive through the hole and go get a bucket. When was the last time K-State has had a guy like that? I couldn't tell you the last time they've had a guy who could put the ball on the ground and get to the bucket. And that's that that's all his that's what his game is primarily and I think I think K-State's needed that for a long time and they've needed that this year. So, yeah, I mean, I don't I don't have super high expectations for him, but I think for what where you are right now, this is about as good of a get as you could possibly get. He was what a first, second team preseason SEC all league player after his sophomore season, I think. So, I mean, he's shown it, he's proven it. And Cole, you mentioned needing a guy. We talked about Nigel Pack a few weeks back at Miami and the disruption that might cause off the court. The fact that K State doesn't have a superstar, I mean, that locker room is just going to be so. I don't know what the word is glued together um, on the same wavelength because they're not going to have that guy that's stealing all the points. So I think that that works out great for K-State. Maybe that's Tang's plan is to not have that guy that might create some division in your locker room. But I mean, with Colbert and, and Carter, there's no disrespect to those guys, but they scored what half a point a game or something at LSU Uh, and Mississippi state. I think they have upsides, but, yeah, I think they're farther behind the curve than they're the other two guys. Quote unquote projects, right? <laughs> yeah, Sales is going to come in here and play and start. No doubt about that. I, I'm really optimistic. Just I, I like your point. I, I think there's something to be said about having a locker room in which all the guys feel like they could be the guy. Not I'm maybe I'm just spinning this to find some bright light in the fact that they don't have a Nigel Pack. They don't have that lead guy. They don't have the Antoine Davis that we thought was going to be the lead guy. Everyone in that locker room feels like I'll be that guy. They've all got a tangible shot at doing it. And I know fans freak out. I mean, maybe they'll be so awful that they can't score. But typically someone fills the breach. Someone, and if I had to guess, it'll be Marquise Noel. If he can define his game better, I think it'll you know, be him. He's the guy that wants to be the alpha. There's no doubt it. it's in his DNA. I want to be the alpha, but wanting it and being it are two different things. One of the worst things you can have with a team, a guy that thinks he's the alpha that isn't, and then just tears things apart. But I think there's a real cohesiveness to this roster that is notable. And that doesn't win you games on, you know, just because you're cohesive, but it, it does help you, give you an advantage. And, and I think it's also notable to say that the NIL is going to tear apart some teams. It just will. It, it will absolutely destroy locker rooms, whether it's basketball, football, anything else. And I, 
I don't think K-State's going to have that issue. I think they're doing a good job of going out and finding guys that might be NIL worthy but aren't driven by the NIL. That's not why. I, I, I get the sense that Nigel Pack did not care if he was going to be happy or well-educated at Miami. <laughs> he got the money. And I, I think that's just the wrong reason to choose a school. But I guess if I was going to take a shot, I would do it in Miami and probably not in Calgary. Well, Calgary's kind of pretty, but not for basketball. You know what I mean? It's it, At least you'll be on the beach if you're unhappy. We know how uh, particular this staff has been with the guys they want to bring in. I think the NIL, if that's a priority, I don't know this for a fact, but they've turned away some guys, right? Oh, absolutely. Who knows what the real issue is, but I think if the NIL is something that's high up on a recruit's list, I doubt that that sits good with the staff. Mm-hmm. I, I doubt it. I you agree, I, Daphne? Yeah. I only cover K-State recruiting, and so I, I don't want to throw shade uh, – you know, just in some direction, but Missouri on paper is kicking the crap out of K-State in recruiting. And I would probably say Missouri will be a better basketball team next season, this upcoming season, than Kansas State. But is Missouri building for the long term, or is Dennis Gates just grabbing all the best players he can get and doesn't even have any regard to his locker room. I'll worry about that later. While Coach Tang is worrying about the locker room, I'll worry about elevating the talent later. It's intriguing. It's two different approaches, and you can't evaluate it off one season. We're going to have to take a longer picture. But I want to say, and Zach will agree with this, I'm glad K-State didn't hire a coach named Gates. Are me and Cole not allowed to agree? Because he's probably a Knicks fan. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> he would be at Duke if he got hired somewhere. Right, right. But real quick with uh, Noel or whoever that hypothetical leader may be, I have no issues or, uh, excuse me, I have no worries with Tang if that guy comes about and tries to be too much, tries to do more than he's capable of. Because with Weber, there's no doubt about it. Certain players had way too long of a leash. If a player like Noel or any player tries to be that superstar when they're not, and they take those shots, they chuck up shots, they turn it over. There needs to be uh, a tight leash on these guys. And I have, I have faith that, that Tang will, but the, the guys need to understand that, you know, if you're not the superstar, you're not the superstar. Very good. Next question comes from JB underscore KSU forever, who has been a subscriber for 18 months, but... This is his first time asking a question. Nice. It's very special. Welcome to the podcast. With the current condition slash borderline neglect of Ahern Fieldhouse, is there a way athletics can take it over from the school and put it to good use before it becomes a memory? Or to put it another way, what are their chances of it being demolished before some party steps in? I think it's much higher to be demolished than athletics is going to take that on. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a it's a disaster. It's been it would, neglected. It would take a donor specifically basically buying the building for the universe for athletics saying hey here's this i don't here's the money wants it and i don't think they would want it why why do you want that upkeep on your budget and it's not close to the rest of athletics my hope for it is it's the shell of the building is kept and repurposed the auditorium will come down the gym will come down probably but the shell itself is repurposed. Uh, 
I would personally, I don't know. Look, I'm not an architect. I'm not an engineer. I don't, I don't know how these things work. And, and certainly flood water, it's always been a problem with there because if it rains a lot, it's a hole. I mean, it just goes down and they didn't, it didn't handle that very well. But I think it'd be really cool to be like one bedroom suites. Yeah. You know, if you could, if you could make the field house be residences, but high end, honestly, high end. I, you wouldn't have a dining attached to it. You you know, it'd be expected just almost like off campus living where you've got an apartment, you got, you got to maintain your kitchen, but you're right there on the corner of campus. It'd be badass, actually. It'd be really cool. This would be some huge apartments, though, if you're trying to put them on windows. Yeah, that's another issue. I don't even know how you do that. I, I, like I said, I, I don't quite grasp how you make it happen, but it could be really cool. You've got to find a way to do something with it. You can't take it down. No. You cannot take that building down. You want a riot on campus <laughs> by a bunch of olds? <laughs> Cecil's? Uh, yeah, I'm going to. I'm gonna... They're going to tear down Ahern. And which it's a it's a hern, right? It's not a hern. It's a hern. Look, I've been told by old K staters that it's a hern. It, I didn't his name want was Mike Ahern, and then Lon Kruger does my podcast and calls it a hern. I'm like, oh crap! <laughs> I didn't want. I didn't. I wanted to say it right. I couldn't remember which one. It's you it's like. regarded now as a hern, mm-hmm. but I'm pretty sure when he was stomping around campus in the early 20th century, he was known as Mike Ahern. Not a hern. So anyway, they'll tear that down, and then they're going to switch. Yeah, you did. They're going to switch to the cat's logo, and it'll be the biggest gathering of olds ever. I (laughs) actually, I think a cool use of it maybe would be to build a whole structure where the auditorium and um, and gymnasium are for the actual housing, and then have that be like a an open air courtyard, like take the roof off and keep well, the walls. As up. long as they leave the South wall, that's the most important. And one. I got to do my directions. Yeah. Yeah. The yeah. Memorial stadium side. This, this, as long this, as they keep that up, I'm good. This would never happen, but I'm going to say it anyway. What would be really cool now, if it were to happen, probably happen in like 10 years is if you completely remodel that and make that your rec center and you make the rec center where it's, where it is currently, you add on to the athletic facilities out there. Rather that's, even if you just make it parking or something like that, I know that would never happen. But if you had your hey, memorial you know those field, millions of dollars in student fees that we use, to I'm just saying, build a wreck. We're gonna tear down. I'm just that saying. wreck, and we're gonna use an older building because it's in the middle of campus. It. I think it'd be really cool. I have no idea how it would work. I it just, would never happen, but I think that would be really cool. I think that the current student body and the future student body is going to see less and less of a purpose for a Hearn Field House. Yeah. They're going to be they're going to look at it and be like, "Why do we have this? We never Old go building. in there." Yeah. And when people are talking about tearing it down, the students aren't going to understand what a big deal it is. You that sound people like are, an old now. That people, are, I'm I'm just making the argument saying that. The students don't care. I didn't go into a Hearn Fieldhouse when I was a student. Do you guys go into a Hearn Fieldhouse? I've been in there a few times. Just because you've been in it a few times doesn't mean that you I went to a volleyball game there. It was awesome. Congrats. They don't play there anymore. (laughs) It was the KU-K State volleyball game, and it was one of the best sporting events I've been to when I was was a student. It really was. You still are a student. A graduate student. I mean, they use it for indoor track, and that's it at this Mm -hmm. point, basically. And clubs can 
practice in there. Fine. <laughs> but once once track moves out and once the football training facility is built so that that will allow them to do that, there will literally be no purpose no. for a Hearn. And the student and what I'm saying is if it comes down to, you know, students deciding what they do with buildings and what kind of input, the students are not going to to rally to save that building. He just he just said ta. I'm just pointing ta? out ta. It's a good Midwestern <laughs> thing. When did I when did I say that? We talked about it, I think on an overtime yeah, about yeah. the word ta. Midwesterners do it. Yeah, you know what? You need to do this. <clears throat> Look, um, before we move on, I just want to say if if donors are going to give money, give money to refurbish track and build up track and baseball and and do those things within the signature of what's now become the athletic complex and will be you know the complete athletic complex pretty soon. Uh, I hope athletics would never take on that kind of financial burden, but also. I don't want the university just to dismiss it as a dinosaur and let's remember it with a picture and take it down. And now we're going to put up a fancy building here for the history department. Do we have a history department? So uh, I I hope they find a really cool use for it. I really do. I think it being across from the union has potential to be uh, kind of an event area, which maybe – would be a really good use of it is creating a indoor outdoor combination event area where you can hold conferences and those type of things on campus. You could build an amphitheater there on that site. <laughs> Sweet baby yeah. Jesus, you could. <laughs> I just want an amphitheater for concerts. I say they do not like a museum, but some sort of uh, memorial for all the great things. That basketball's done throughout the years it, it, before ter- tearing it down, keep it and just have it be s- some sort of way to remember all the you know kind of like the I would have killed to be a student yeah. when basketball games were played. I right still there, think they you know, should figure out a way to play one more game in 100%. there. One hundred percent. Yeah, one hundred percent. I mean, MLK gave his last speech there, right? Mm-hmm. He just can't tear college it down. campus college speech. campus speech. Yeah. Yep. And. I'm not going to say sadly, but ironically, that will be the reason why it gets saved, not for the rich historical Mm, significance Mm -hmm. in athletics it has. It'll be that. And it probably is. It's nationally notable that that uh, that's where that took place. Last question of the podcast comes from Calm Manhattan Waters. Zach, you're going to get mad at me because I'm going to say this wrong. (laughs) Let's live. It is. It's be lit. careful what you wish for. You want to use the offer? <laughs> yeah. I, I was going to say. I was. I, I was going to say that for the record. Right, I didn't want to do the Roman numerals. Uh, everything seems like chaos. Is the NCAA ripe for live series type takeover? Are you familiar with live? Yeah, that's, I'm very familiar. Okay. It's like the second golf, to, like tour that's popping up with millions and millions of dollars. Right. It's like the XFL, only more expensive. I, no, well, it's it's completely apples and oranges because I'm, I'm going to be honest. We have that going on right now. It's called ESPN and the SEC Super Conference. Mm, yeah, that's live. That's what they want to do. And the way all of us are reacting are just the same way the PGA people are reacting to it. It's a sham. <laughs> uh, I I don't think it's sustainable. Uh, there's no way that. That golf tour is going to generate the type of money they're paying off, and I don't, well, that's the point. That it's it's all about, you know, Saudi Arabia becoming prominent on a national level right. with sport. 
I do find the whole political pushback disingenuous when when the NBA is so wrapped into China. Well, when Saudi Arabia is the number two trade partner with the United States, yeah, I, it's come on. I know you're upset because you're losing your grip, your domination on things, but and I I think it'll take care of itself. I, I think their long term goal is to kill the PGA, and then basically lower all the prize money and and make it financially sustainable at that point. It's a very, you know, aggressive stance. I, it's not financially sustainable in any way with what they're doing. But do I blame the golfers for taking the money? Hell no. Hell, hell no. Phil Mickelson's triple set for life, quadruple set. He can get last in every tournament now. Doesn't matter. Unless he's taking that money to get back to zero. <laughs> Yeah, true. Think about it that way. Bob, I, I I see the comparison, but I, I think it's already happened. And it's ESPN or the Saudis. And the SEC is Phil Mickelson. Mickelson. Mick- Mickelson. <laughs> I kind of left out the L. It's like MBAF. NBAF. You got it right there. <laughs> NBAF. My, my neighbor actually is involved with it, so I had to. Enunciate yesterday when I was talking to him about in bath. <laughs> We're not taking baths. Um, but yeah. Anything, anything else? I don't think that it'll be a live series type of takeover. I think that I don't think there's going to be ESPN, yes, is the outside influence, but I think that, um, well. I don't know. I, I'm starting to think maybe maybe this is a good comparison with the SEC t- or ESPN trying to create a super conference. That really is probably the best thing. But when you look at it from a K-State standpoint and our standpoint, we hate to see it. So I guess we're kind of like the PGA in that in that stance. But um, I think that Liv brings some concepts to the game that are interesting. I don't know if they're necessarily going to get viewers, but they're being innovative. I don't see how anything can be innovative for the NCAA other than saying we're going to split off and do this. You know, the the game's going to stay the same. You know, the, the teams are going to stay the same. It's just nothing changes with the NCAA if you have a super league like what we're talking about um, other than just they're going to get more money and they're going to be playing by themselves. I think that's it. I think a better comparison is auto racing with the IndyCar. When that's oh, cart and <clears throat> IndyCar. Yeah, it just hasn't been the same. Yeah, it hasn't had the same. Mm-hmm. And I'm I'm fearful that will happen for golf. But what's also interesting about the timing of this for golf is we're at a high of, I think, notable young personalities slash players. We have a lot of really tangible assets on the golf side. That you can split off some, and it'll still sustain itself because you don't. I feel like they ran out of drivers and some notable drivers, and they just didn't. There wasn't any weight to it, so I. I don't know. I. I'm intrigued by it, and as a person that really doesn't care that much about golf, I kind of follow it from afar. I'm going to watch it just for the the business side of this because <laughs> I think it does apply to what ESPN is trying to pull in the NCAA level. That's it for this edition. That's what we got. Of the Powercat Questions Podcast. We appreciate you listening. We appreciate the Fridge Wholesale Liquor being our longtime sponsor. I am Fitz, and we'll be back tomorrow, actually, with the overtime. And if you missed it, 
I hope you didn't. Life of Fitz is back. The first edition went up a day late. We had some scheduling issues with it. But Van Malone will be my next guest this Monday on the Life of Fitz podcast. We appreciate you listening to our podcast. Thank you for listening to the Power Cat podcast. Make sure you're subscribing to our show at Apple, Spotify, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. PowerCat Podcast. All rights reserved. GoPowerCat.com. You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app.